Hello, ladies. This is Pure Heart, godly dating and relationship advice with yours truly, Natasha Sapienza. I'm a Christian writer, actress, and my hubby's sidekick filmmaker. And now for today's lesson. Okay, so today I experienced a review for a novel that I have been working on for several years. And the review was my first DNF, which in apparently the, you know, uh, novel reading fan world means did not finish. And uh, this girl explained to me why she didn't finish and why she stopped reading after, you know, 49 pages or so. And you know, my, my reaction after the fact. Now, let me just say, when I read this, I had yet to spend time with God. Something that I do every single day is I have to read at least three chapters from the Bible and pray and worship. So spend some time in prayer to God alone with Him and spend some time worshiping, singing to Him. So I hadn't done that yet, okay? So, I was in my flesh, okay? Uh, I was not filled with the Spirit. So my immediate reaction was discouragement. Then I started getting angry and upset, frustrated, you know, thinking to myself, man, like, oh, I've I've edited this thing so many times, a million times. You know, when is this going to be done? I quickly texted a sister in Christ, two sisters in Christ, who I know are awesome prayer warriors, uh, sisters who have interceded with me, fasted with me. I mean, real prayer warriors, sisters who know about spiritual warfare and who are bold in their prayers. I sent them a text message. I let them know what just happened and how I was feeling. So I did what the Bible says to do in the New Testament. It says, confess your sins to one another and be healed. So I confessed Um, my anger and my frustration and my discouragement at at having received that email. But I explained them to them and I asked them to pray. And then instantly, you know, this sister's telling me that she's like getting into prayer for me. And there is just a sudden shift that begins to happen in my attitude. And I, you know, I start realizing and I'm starting to pray. And And I realize that I do not have a forehead of flint. Okay. Uh, what I mean by that is there, I think it was Ezekiel, the prophet that God was speaking to. And before God sent this man to deliver a message to God's people, God let him know that the people that he was going to deliver the message to were going to slander him, were going to say all kinds of terrible things to him, about him, reject him. God's letting him know this. Hey, prophet, you're going to go tell them this, but they are not going to receive it. However, I'm giving you a forehead of flint. In other words, their words are not going to affect you. They're going to bounce right off your head as if you were wearing a helmet and someone shot an arrow at your helmet and it just bounced off. It just deflects. Um, It doesn't enter, penetrate your mind, which, you know, if if you harbor, if you're thinking about 
you know, bad thoughts, negative things, if your mind is on things that are not true uh, and good, then that affects your heart. And it just is a really good way for the enemy to stifle you. And so uh, here I am realizing and, and confessing aloud to God, wow, I don't have that forehead of flint. There is still this fear of man, uh, at least in this department in this area of my life. I'm not completely free of the fear of man, apparently, because I want them to like this book. And then as I'm confessing this and praying this, uh, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit within me is ministering to me. And I am starting to speak the truth of God's Word and coming back to the truth uh, that I didn't write this for people to like it. God knows that I cried, I wept, I prayed over this book, I worked on it for six years, and all of that hard work is just for even if one person were to be impacted by this novel, then it was worth it for the kingdom of God, that this was not for people to just like it. No, no, no. This is for the kingdom of God to be built. And then I, I was speaking this truth about nothing you do for the Lord is ever done in vain. If it's for the Lord, if it is out of love for God and his kingdom, then it is not in vain. It is not in vain. And then as I, you know, continued to pray and then I got alone with God and I asked the Lord to speak to me through his word, um, then God started to reveal even more to me. So I went to Romans chapter 8, and I, I was reading, and then I read, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Yet, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. And then I realized that when it's a work of God, suffering always precedes glory. I'll say that again. When it's a work of God, suffering always precedes glory. When it's a work of Satan, compromise always precedes glory. When it's a work of God, suffering always precedes glory. When it's a work of Satan, compromise always precedes glory. You know how some people seem to get famous overnight? It just seems like everything, it just so easily falls into place. They upload a YouTube video, wham, bam, they start to become famous. They start getting tons of likes on their Instagram. Homeboy, you know, some good looking guy stands in front of a camera and ties his hair up in a bun for crying out loud. A whole bunch of women start liking that thing. And then it goes viral, right? And then these people become famous. And then next thing you know, they're on TV shows. And then next thing you know, they're making millions of dollars. All right. <laughs> 
there was compromise. Okay, this man, you know, taking all these pictures with his shirt off, showing off his body, enticing women, using sensuality, using the lust of the eyes, right? The lust of the flesh to uh, build his earthly kingdom, to have doors open for him using his looks. Okay, now, on the flip side, how many people in the Bible... God gives them vision. God gives them a promise of future glory, of future leadership, of future promise, whatever that promise is. For Sarah, you'll have a child. That was a huge promise and a blessing for her. It took years. It took years and years to happen for her. Uh, We have Joseph. He receives this vision of his brothers bowing before him, of him rising to a place of leadership where people are beneath him and he is in a place of authority to help them. That does not happen for what? I don't know, at least 10 years, if not more than that. Okay, Moses, I think 40 years go by after he has this this stirring and this passion in his heart to deliver the people of Israel. 40 years or so pass until that promise gets fulfilled. Okay, he had to suffer. He had to suffer. Joseph had to suffer in prison, working in humble circumstances, being, you know, a slave, an assistant, um, working his way from the bottom to the top. So what God showed me again today with my book is that we in the body of Christ often view breakthroughs as a change in circumstance instead of a change in character. Okay, let me just say that one more time. We in the body of Christ, we Christians, often view breakthroughs as a change in circumstance instead of a change in character. It could be that our circumstantial breakthrough, getting that job, getting that, you know, getting a breakthrough in our finances, in our you know, marriage, um, with our family, our kids, our whatever, okay? It could be that our circumstantial breakthrough has yet to arrive because our moral breakthrough hasn't happened yet. Before God exalts us, he humbles us. Before he changes our circumstances, he desires to change our hearts. If we allow him to do the latter, then we will receive the former. I think just about any Christian who comes to the Lord in truth, who surrenders to God and begins seeking him, there comes a point Usually early on in your walk where you receive a promise, you receive a glimpse, you receive a glimpse of God's vision, of God's vision for your life. You, whether it be a dream or a word spoken from a prophet or in the word of God, that you're reading and you just know and it's in your heart and it's this passionate and it gives you hope that 
uh, wow, you know, one day I'm going to be this, you know, missionary. I'm going to open up this foster care home. I'm going to, you know, write plays for the glory of God. I'm going to make music for the glory of God. There's something, there's some promise that you receive from God. Maybe it's about a future husband. Okay, sisters, uh, maybe you really received a promise, but then years go by. Years go by and you start to get frustrated and you start to get upset and discouraged. And you think, I thought God gave me a promise, but where is the fulfillment of this promise? I don't see it. Now, every person of God, every child of God, has experienced this. And in the Bible, again, multiple people, Sarah, uh, the wife of Abraham, waited years and years and years to receive the child of promise, to receive her son, uh, Isaac. Okay. Um, Abraham too, because that was a promise for him too. Um, Hannah in the book of Samuel, you know, years and years, she's barren and she's desiring a child and she doesn't get a child. And then finally, one day she becomes pregnant and she receives that child after however many years of toil and sadness and struggle and crying and, and hurting and, and feeling like God abandoned her. Um, we just, gosh, name a person in the Bible who has not suffered before receiving the promise of God. And now why though? Why? Because God wants to, he's, he's more concerned, family, sisters. God is more concerned about changing your heart, building your character than he is with giving you that promise. In other words, who you are is more important to God than what he's going to give you. That is secondary to what is primary. And primary, and God knows, God knows. Before we receive the fulfillment of the promise, the calling of that he has on our life, before we receive that, we often, we need to be humbled. We need to be brought low, low. God needs to... Put, turn up the heat, put on that pressure. You know, uh, gold is refined in the furnace. Gold is refined in fire. It's not refined by water. Gold, I think it just gets rusty if, if it's just, you know, refreshed with water. Okay, water upon water. <laughs> you can't, you drown gold and, you know, nothing really happens. It looks exactly the same, right? But apparently fire, gold is forged in fire. It's it's purified by fire. And the word of God talks about fiery trials. Now, God knows that that fire is going to purify us, purify our hearts. And he doesn't want us to receive the gift and the calling before it's time, before we've been purified. Because then, when we're not purified, we get corrupted. We get corrupted. And then we abuse the gift and, and we're selfish. 
and we're not selfless. It, it's Joseph, in the beginning, his dream and vision was all about him. He was very prideful. He was boasting to his brothers and to his father. This is what God showed me about me. Y'all are going to be bowing to me. What's up? Isn't that awesome? You know, you guys are going to be bowing to me. He was boastful. And God had to completely bring this man low so that he would stop being prideful. So that the gift and the calling would not be about him, but it would be pure and and that he would serve others rightly when he was in that position and give God the glory rather than stealing the glory for himself and making people serve him. See, that's what happened to King Saul. King Saul was not ready. He was not ready to receive the promise of God in becoming the king of Israel. He was not ready. He did not have a pure heart. And we see what happened to him. It was only a matter of time before he, not having a pure heart, you know, knowing God and believing in God, but not having a humble, surrendered heart to God, not having been a humble man, ends up abusing his authority, abusing his kingship, using, you know, tax money, using it for power, for authority, for territory, conquering lands, you know, taking the the loot from and the bounty from the lands that he conquered, the silver, the gold, the kings, you know, he did it all for himself. And then God, it says that God was deeply sorry that he had given this man had allowed this man to be king, you know, um, and he had to take away the kingdom from this man because that was it. He just continued to disobey God and abuse his authority. So God, then God humbled him. But you know what? God still couldn't even humble this man because this man was never humbled. Even when God tore it away, instead of being broken by that, instead of being like, dang, God, I messed up. I led these people astray. Man, I worshiped idols. I brought in false idols up in my home. Um, I led these people to disobey you when you told me to do one thing. I, I, I kind of did it, but I didn't do it to the full extent. And then the people that were following me did the same thing that I was doing. Instead of feeling bad and wow, now you took away my kingship because I'm not a good leader, because I'm leading people into sin. He ends up just justifying himself. Oh no, but but I did do what God said. And, and then he starts blaming He starts casting blame, shifting blame. He's not humble. He's not owning up. He's not humbled by his sin. He instead justifies it and then gets angry at the person who has the pure heart who is now going to replace him. And he wants to kill the person. So he couldn't even be humbled. And look at what happened. His whole family got destroyed. I think only uh, one was spared in his, you know, in his family of his family line, his his child or grandson, something like that. I think it was his grandson um, was spared. The only person left. All the other men, everyone in his family was killed, killed off, destroyed because this man was wicked and prideful. So and he didn't use the position that God exalted him to for God's glory and for the service of God's people. He used it for himself and himself alone. God does not 
want his children to do that, to be that way. We were given gifts, okay? Let me, let me, let me read this to you. God has given everyone gifts as his children. Our gifts are never firstly to enrich ourselves. That's what the world tells you. Use your gift to become a business person, to become an entrepreneur, to make money, okay, to reach the top and then have fun with your life. No, as God's children, as Christians, our gifts are never firstly to enrich ourselves. Our gifts are primarily for first glorifying God. That's biblical somewhere in the New Testament, okay? That our gifts, that we, our entire selves actually, are for the glory of God, are created for the glory of God. That includes our gifts, all of us, inside and out. (laughs) We are alive for the glory of God, first of all. So not for ourselves, not for our own glory. Glory. We're alive, first of all, and we have gifts, first of all, for the glory of God. All right. Second, our gifts are for serving and edifying the body of Christ. Says that, I think, in Ephesians 3 or 4. Okay, this is what the Bible teaches us in the New Testament. You have gifts, okay, that can edify and encourage the body of Christ now. Now, right right now, today, this week. If we are 100% future-minded, we're no presently good. You know, some people say, oh, well, if you're too heavenly-minded, then you're no earthly good. Okay, well, I say if we're 100% future-minded, then we're no presently good. If all we think about is the future, okay, um, I have to, you know, uh, for example, if, you know, I'm trying to make, we're trying to do this TV show, me and my husband. Okay, so if all we do is work on the TV show right now, we're, we're in pre-production, um, you know, we're writing this TV series. Well, it's actually going to be a web series, but anyways, we're writing this web series and we're only using our gifts in writing for that, for the future, because we're not going to be filming it yet, okay? Um, and that's it. That's all we do. We sit inside our house and we pray and we spend time with God and then we just work on our, t- our web series and that's it as far as that gift goes then we're, instead of, you know, blogging, you know, spending time with God and then, you know, writing about uh, what God showed us, what God, you know, showed us about ourselves or encouraged us with, um, if we're not, you know, sharing that gift of writing with others or sending a text message even, you know, a written letter, so to speak, a texted letter, you know, how like Paul, you know, used his gift of teaching and writing by writing tons of letters that till this day, 2,000 years later, are impacting millions, if not billions of people, okay? Yeah, I think billions, actually, because, I mean, from 2,000 years ago to now, yeah, billions of people have been impacted by the letters of Paul found in the New Testament. So if we aren't sharing our writing gift with the body of Christ, then we're not being presently good. We're not being useful to God. We're not, that, that gift is not being used by God. You know, it may be, yeah, yeah, it's good to be future-minded, to, to write, you know, this web series and, you know, film it in the future, but we can't stay there, family. 
We can't, we can't stay, if we're just 100% future-minded, we're not presently useful. So, may we both be future and presently minded. How can I use my gifts to glorify God now and to serve and edify his body now? So again, I have the gift of writing. What I found is that every time I spent time with the Lord and then I go ahead and, you know, I heard from him. I was encouraged by him. He ministered to me. I go and now I write a blog about it. I, I, what was given to me, I give out. I give back to the body of Christ. I share with the body of Christ what God shared with me. It always bears fruit. It always bears fruit, whether it be one person or more than one person who's impacted by that blog. Because I used my gift then, that day, instead of saying, man, the Lord spoke to me. That was awesome. I'm going to write this in my journal. Then I'm going to close up my journal. I'm going to put it away. I'm going to go drink some coffee. I'm going to spend time and just, you know, do my motherly duties and my wifely duties. I'm just going to stay in my house and whatever. And, and I just, I just, that's it. Then that blog wouldn't be out there. No one would stumble across it. And then no one would be edified and encouraged in the body of Christ by what God encouraged me with that day because I didn't share it with anybody. You may be, uh, uh, I was speaking to a sister today. She has the gift of singing. She knows how to worship the Lord well. She has a beautiful voice. And, um, you know, she has, she writes songs. But, you know, if she keeps those songs to herself... And her voice, her singing, worshiping, you know, the Lord in a pure heart. If that's just between her and the Lord in her closet all the time, uh, and that's private, then who's going to be blessed by her worshiping and singing the Lord? Of course, she's ministering to the Lord, which is amazing, which is good, which is what she should be doing. But even better to not only share that ministering to the Lord, but now share that with his body and minister to others and now be a blessing in edifying the body of Christ using your gifts for God's glory, number one, and then number two, to love your brother or sister in Christ and edify them. All right, so my time's almost up. I'm trying to keep these podcasts to 25 minutes. So we'll end today's lesson here. Uh, I know that was a lot to think about, but hey, you could always rewind, replay, listen to it. Uh, <laughs> so I hope that it was a blessing to you, sisters. I'm going to continue to, you know, again, use my gifts. Hey, if even one person is listening to this right now, I pray for you right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray that you're edified. I pray that you're strengthened and encouraged and that you go and you read Romans chapter 8, that you go, you spend time with the Lord and that you... Don't believe the lies of man, uh, of man and of, of the devil. Don't believe the devil's lies. I pray that you use your gifts for the glory of God, for the edification of his kingdom, that you don't hoard your gifts, but that you generously share your gifts with the body of Christ. Okay, with the body of Christ. Because the world, they're going to trample on your pearls. They're going to trample on your gifts and they're going to try and coerce you or try to seduce you to use those gifts for your own glory. So that's why I say share them with the body of Christ. You know, if the world stumbles across your gifts and are blessed by it, praise the Lord. But but go intentionally, intentionally 
intentionally give your gifts to the body of Christ. Intentionally share your gifts with the body of Christ because that is what, firstly, that's what God commands us to do in the scriptures. That is what he desires. So I pray that for you and uh, I just pray that the word of God, that Jesus Christ is made known through your life, through the way you love others, with the gifts, the talents, the times, everything that he's given you, your whole self, your body is a temple of the living God. And I pray that you use it and that I use it for his glory and for the service and edification of his church, the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, sisters. For more, check out my website, hisnatashasapienza.com, or visit my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash Natasha Sapienza.